the Pure Jamie Milne Podcast. Where we have a dream to create a community full of happy, healthy, and knowledgeable people who create global positive change through sharing their journey. Tune in, saddle up, and listen in. Be inspired. Good morning, Jamie Milne here in the Pure Jamie Milne Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and welcome. Today's a really interesting one and a unique situation. I am flying solo today for the first time. Um, Usually two for one is a little better, but um, today I'm all by myself. So I thought I'd take this unique opportunity to maybe bring you a little insight and shine a little light on who I am, what is Jamie Milne Training, and what is the amazing community, which we call the Stag Pack community, our gym community. And the interesting thing about this is sort of who you are, what you do, and how you do it is generally very, very clear. It's like, you know, my name's Jamie Milne. I've got a gym on the Sunshine Coast. It's amazing. We do fitness classes. Um, but the why we do what we do is the really fuzzy part and sometimes that's hard to verbalize so I thought what a great opportunity to to do this this morning seeing as I'm here flying alone so if you're a little bit curious and you're wondering what uh, our gym our facility is all about then please hang on in sit back have a listen uh, and find out why we do what we do Before I start, I want to thank you very much for tuning in, and I'd love to ask you a couple of quick questions. And that first question is, are you a runner? Um, Have you ever run a half marathon before? What about a full marathon? There's a saying that used to float around that used to go, "Any any idiot can run a marathon, but it takes a special kind of idiot to run an ultra marathon and I have been referred to many times over the years from a number of different people funnily enough that I'm one of the most intelligent stupid people you'll ever meet. Ultra marathon running would have to be one of my favorite things in the world. So before I get underway as you know my name is Jamie Milne. My real name is James Milne on my birth certificate but uh, loved ones, um, people that are close to me uh, family have always called me Jamie. It would have been much simpler if they had just popped that on my birth certificate. It would have saved a fucking whole heap of hassle. Uh, but nonetheless, Jamie it is. And uh, I own Jamie Milne Training on the Sunshine Coast, which is a boutique strength and conditioning facility. Our mission statement is to create a community of happy, healthy, and knowledgeable people with the power to create global positive change via sharing their journey. Uh, It's an amazing little facility. I've also been very fortunate to take part in a 10-year documentary uh, documenting mental toughness, uh, pain tolerance, and the intangible drivers of the human system. So they're the things that drive us that you can't see. So when we talk about human spirit and um, you know motivators that are that are non tangible that are that you can't actually see. So like caffeine, you can see, and music, you know, you can listen to drive us the things that drive us, and that's called Wairua Spirit. Check that out online. Amazing documentary. 
10 of the most difficult ultra marathons in the world and we're cracking one each year most recently was the hurt 100 in hawaii in january this year so check it out I've authored one book called 12 Weeks to an Ultramarathon, one in the pipeline called The Ultramarathon of Life. I've had a very diverse and varied professional career. I've worked for the Kuwaiti royal family in, in the Middle East and their dignitaries. Beautiful people over there. Thoroughly enjoyed that and Inspire Pure Fitness. Um, I've worked for half a dozen elite high-level international professional athletes from triathletes to ultra marathon runners to heavyweight boxers uh so it's been a very uh, golfers it's been a it's been a very interesting journey and everything in between um what else off the top of my head uh run over 100 ultra marathons and 50 of those have been in excess of the 100 mile mark uh sorry the 100k mark i'm also a an alcoholic and suffer and live with uh, bipolar disorder. Um, let me tell you a little quick story about one of my job roles, actually. It's, it, when we talk about diversity and, and a tangled sort of professional career, I've been a strength and conditioning coach for f- uh, just coming up to 14 years, uh, and it's been amazing. And it's, and, it's, and it's evolved from personal trainer to strength and conditioning coach, um, and then obviously to, to gym owner. Uh, one of my job roles, I worked for a, a company called the Institute of Golf or iGolf when they were sort of new in the game in Auckland. And initially I thought, oh, this is a bit of a personal training role. Come on, I'll work with the golfers. This will be amazing. And they had all sorts of, you know, from kids all the way up to professional top level golfers. Um, and here's me thinking, oh, this is pretty cool. This is, I'm going to learn so much, and which I did working with exercise physiologists um, and top-level, top-tier physiotherapists and, of course, the owners themselves, very, very switched-on guys. And uh, But my official role was a glute activation and core stabilisation coach, which basically meant I looked after the asses and the stomachs of the uh, the golfers. So it was very, very, very interesting role. Uh, but I learned a heap. But look, before whilst I sit here and start rattling off the tail of the tape and a resume and a bit of a CV, I would love to take this opportunity to tell you a little story, if you didn't mind. And um, that story begins at Christmas 2006. Now, I wonder if any of you remember exactly where where you guys were, Christmas Day 2006. Now, a lot of people have heard me tell this story because it's such a a turning point in my life. And Tim Ferriss calls it a harijuku moment in his book, uh, the four-hour work week and a harijuku moment in Japanese. Harijuku means like a, yeah, like a turning point. It's like it's a positive moment in your life where your life is never quite the same, and something really powerful and profound happens. Um, so I talk about it a fair bit. So I apologise if you've heard the story before. If you haven't, um, then I welcome you. If you have, just hang on in there. Hang on in there. You might pick up something that uh, could could possibly motivate you or drive you on this glorious, glorious day. So I left the Navy. I was in the Royal New Zealand Navy for just shy of seven years. I left the Navy at a beautiful and glorious 75 kilos, dripping wet, lean, mean, very fit. One of the fittest moments in my life. I had just finished um, going through the Royal New Zealand Navy Ship's Divers course. 
Um, and I had joined the Navy as a chef, so done a full uh, chef's apprenticeship. And what happened was, after you've been in the military for a while, you feel like it's, it's a great experience, and I would not change it for the world, have zero regrets, and, you know, thanks to the military, I, I, I got to, to learn a lot of really basic things. And little things, like even like showering yourself. I remember getting taught, like, where to shower. You know, under the armpits, in the groin, in the old arse cheeks. You know, soap and clean those parts first. And it was like little things like that that I hadn't learned as a kid. Um, ironing your clothes, respect, uh, commitment, courage, comradeship. All these types of things that were part of the Navy's core values. And when I left, after being institutionalized, I totally rebelled. Got out, got a bloody nose piercing, grew my hair, got tattoos from knee to nipple. And, uh, but I unfortunately, you know, I hadn't realized my, my, um, my disorder, I suppose, or, or my draw, my affinity to alcohol. When I talked about ultramarathon running at the start, um, I could I could quite easily say the same for alcohol. You know, alcohol is my favourite. I just seem to have this draw to get loaded, to get sideways, to be Jack the Lad. And the funny thing is, with alcohol, is it starts off really fun when you when you're younger. It's like fun. This is so much fun. You know, the life of the party, jumping up on bars, doing box jumps up on bars, and getting punchy and being a bit of an idiot. But the problem is. You know, nobody else thinks you're cool. You're you're the only one. Well, I was the only one who thought I was cool. So what started off as being really fun went from fun with a few problems in my 20s and then, you know, fun with a few more problems in my 20s and in my early 30s and then it just became a problem. So, but I didn't realize that as a young man. But anyway, I um I had I had uh left the navy and uh, within 9 months of traveling and leaving, you know, living a non-militant lifestyle, no uniformity, no um, thought process towards health, I blew out from an incredible 75 kilos to a gloriously round, I looked like a swollen sweet potato that sweated every 12 minutes, and I got up to 116 kilos. I kept a couple of photos, but let me tell you, I was a perfect circle. And the treadmill of self-loathing, low self-worth, low self-esteem just sped up and sped up and sped up and sped up. Yes, nine months. I had become pregnant on pastries and pies, um, basically. No disrespect to females. Uh, So December 2006. Now, it was my grandfather's... I think it was his 75th birthday or something like that. So it was 77th or something. It, was a, it might have been 80th. I don't think it was. Anyway, it was a significant birthday, and I, I, can't, rem, I can't remember the actual uh, birth date itself, but it was enough to sort of bring all the family together. And I was away at the time. I remember speaking on the phone to my um, uncle, and he said, you know, we're going to have this uh celebration for your granddad can you come back and I said yeah yeah, yeah, for sure now bearing in mind back then there was no Facebook there was no Instagram there was MySpace or something like that but like posting photos and videos just wasn't existent there was no um, timeline so nobody had really seen any photos of me or, or anything like that they just you know chatted on the phone so there was this element of 
you know, back in the day, it's like, oh, you know, I can't wait to get home. Haven't seen everybody. They haven't been updated. There was a, there was not as much connection, I suppose, or visual connection. So anyway, I remember arriving at the airport. My uncle and my cousins picked me up. And as I come skidding through the arrival lounge, or perhaps skidding's not the, the term, but sliding, wobbling through the arrival lounge, my family were there to greet me. And, and I remember that awkward little moment where I think my uncle didn't realise it was me and my cousins were kind of looking, thinking, hold on a second. And then I remember them sort of going, oh, oh, oh. Oh, hey, how are you? How are you? And once we had kind of got through the awkward, you know, there's that big white elephant in the room, or in this case, it was a big caramel mystical creature, which was me. Um, they, it, it was just, you know, once we had shaken that awkwardness, we got through the greetings. It was like, hey, how you going? Yeah, 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 good, good. Oh, I haven't seen you in ages. How you been? Oh, you know, and then you get the, the odd little comment would slip through. Not, not because they were being mean or anything like that. It was just, it was just a, a big shock, you know, when you had left the military, super fit and come back super swollen. Fast forward to my grandfather's dinner. So we're all sitting around this large table. There's about 18 of us and I'll never, ever forget it. We're eating oxtail stew, which I absolutely loved, smashing that. And there's about nine Heineken bottles in front of me. And my grandfather was sitting to the side of me. Now, to give you a little insight into my grandfather, he was a mentor to me. He was somebody that I, I suppose, I tried to align and calibrate my life with. He was my true north, my magnetic north. He was a champion of a man, like coached uh, football teams, refereed for God knows how long, coached the Special Olympics, run marathons into his 70s, just an absolutely phenomenal man and very respected in my hometown of Rotorua in the athletic community um, and just an all-round integral and fantastic man. When asked recently at his funeral to describe my grandfather, may he rest in peace, I can only describe him as unapologetically masculine but an absolutely beautiful man and he was such a gentleman charismatic a scotsman you know it was only black and white there was a little bit of color but not a lot and a spade was a spade it certainly wasn't a fucking shovel and it was certainly wasn't hedge trimmers and that was the kind of guy that he was um and I, like I said I used to calibrate my my life around trying to be like him but um, I'll give you a quick example. One time, I remember being a little child and being on the footy field and watching him, you know, refereeing. And in this particular day, there were, I wouldn't say gang members, but there was unsavory characters, um, <laughs> sort of intimidating looking guys on the sideline. And I remember thinking, oh man, there's some pretty scary looking dudes. And my grandfather was refing, and I remember him sending off this guy, he red carded him and he's just like, and the guy just kicking off and all the guys on the sideline, because I'd heard them before, like going, oh, open your eyes, Bert, open your eyes, you can't see, oh, what was that call for, for fuck's sake, Bert, and then he sent this guy off and this guy just kicked off like big time and my granddad just right, right in his space, red card up, he's like, hey, you get off of there, you get on the sideline, get off. And the guy's like, oh, the real bird. And the crowd's kicking off. And I thought to myself, there is no fucking way 
we are getting out of here alive. We're not going home to my grandmother. This is crazy. Um, but there he was. Hey, you go off of there. So that was my granddad. And anyway, while we were sitting there eating, and I remember sweating, and when you when you put on a heap of weight, you know, sometimes eating is a cardiovascular workout. Like there was sweat pissing out everywhere. I think I was burning calories, chewing on white bread rolls. So I'm smashing the food, sweating the bollocks, and everybody was talking, and I remember my grandfather looking over to me, and actually, and I'll never ever forget the saying, he used to say to me, um, I've gone a bit side, off, off on a tangent here, but I remember he used to say to me when I was at high school, because of some of the people, some of the friends that I was kicking around with, who I absolutely loved, and I thought I was, you know, too cool for school, and my grandfather used to say with me, if you hang out with chickens, Jamie, you're going to cluck. But if you hang out with eagles, you're going to fly. And I never, and I used to think even back then that was cheesy. Um, and even when I think about it now, I think it was kind of cheesy, but it was kind of, he, he was right. If you hang out with chickens, you're going to cluck. And if you hang out with eagles, you're going to fly. But just imagine it in the Scottish accent. Anyway, my grandfather looked at me down the table. And, you know, if you can imagine, I got crumbs all around my face. There's a little bit of gravy just on my cheek and... I'm swilling beer, and he said to me, you look disgusting, and I was like, what, what do you mean, what, me, are you, are you talking to me, and there was that deathly silence, you know, the odd fork, the odd knife, just clink, clink, you look disgusting, I don't even know where my grandson is, and I just thought, oh, I don't even know where my grandson is. And he was just like, you don't even look like my grandson. Notice I've ejected the Scottish accent. You don't even look like my grandson. Like, where's Jamie? You look disgusting. And you've only got yourself to blame. And I was just like, oh. And then he just kept going. Like, what are you... Like, he basically saying to me, what are you doing? Like, where, where's my grandson? And they were just wanted the fucking ground to open up and swallow me. I was like, you gotta be shitting me. And nobody was saying anything. I hopped up and I thought, all right, all right, okay, all right. I'll just grab these dishes, grab these plates. Yep, no worries. Started grabbing some plates, grabbing some cups, trying to find an excuse to get into the kitchen. Anyway. I grabbed all the dishes, I go into the kitchen, my stepmom Lucy sort of follows me in, and as soon as I got out of sight, you know, the old bottom lips like, <laughs> and I, I just burst into tears, and at that stage, you know, being emotional and showing affection, that just, that just wasn't something that, you know, men did, it wasn't okay to show your emotions, and I was a mess, and I remember rubbing my lower back going, oh, come on, Jamie, you're all good. Granddad didn't really mean that. He's just, you know, he's had one or two beers, so he's probably just feels comfortable to, to. And the and the thing is, and I remember thinking to myself, he he meant every fucking word, like, you know, he meant every single word. And when you hear something like that from somebody like that that you respect so much, you know, without a shadow of doubt, they um they mean everything that they said, or he meant everything that he had said. And it was at that time that night, I knew I had to make a shift. I knew I, cont- I couldn't continue my life like that. I knew that what he said came from a place of 
love and care and honesty with our ego. And I thought, he means every single word. So I lay in bed and I remember thinking, it's time to make a shift, Jamie. You can't live your life like this anymore. You've been fit before. It's time. (laughs) It's time for the rise of the swollen Superman. You've got to get into it. So when I was lying in bed, I thought, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to go for a 5K run. That's what I'm going to do. So anyway, I'm lying in bed, fall asleep, get up in the morning, hungover as batshit. You know, it's like some fucking possum had come in the, into my room at two o'clock in the morning and shit in my mouth. It, I was like, oh, oh, you know, you can kind of taste the beer and you... And there's a bit of bread roll still hanging out there on the side of your mouth. It's like, oh, you're a fucking disgrace. You're a train wreck. But, and then the memories, you know, through the cloud of my little drunken blackout, I start to remember my grandfather's words. And I was like, get out of bed. Come on, get out, get your shit together. Grab my shoes. I head out on my 5K. I think that was the longest 5K I've ever done in my whole life. It was probably about an hour 20 or something like that as I shuffled my way through the 5K. And I'll be absolutely honest with you. Since that five, that 5,000 meter run post-grandfather spray, I have, I have never looked back. I have never, ever looked back. In 2018, I had a group of friends uh, that I took to the United Kingdom, and we ran the length of Great Britain. We ran half a marathon a day, every day, for 18 days. And that was from Land's End in Cornwall to John O'Groats at the top of Scotland in 2017. And by the way, I haven't written down any of this. I'm rattling this all off the top of my head, so hopefully I get this right and remember. 2017, uh, I ran through Western Australia, which was about 1,800 Ks for Dementia Australia. Raising money for Dementia Australia, running all through Western Australia with two marathons a day. That's 80 Ks. Um, In 2016... 2016, where did we go there? 2016, we ran from Victoria, Melbourne, uh, all the way to Jamie Milne Training up on the Sunshine Coast, which was my largest run ever. That was 2,000 kilometers at 80 k's a day for about 21 days in 2015. Uh, ran around the beautiful island of Ta- Australian island of Tasmania. So this particular moment in my life, be it a Harijuku moment, Thanks to my grandfather, be a catalyst for change or a shift. It was profound and it was powerful. And it was to be one of the most um, phenomenal moments of change, a paradigm shift that I was ever going to experience. Because in 2009, I gathered a group of friends and we ran from Cairns, far north Queensland, to Townsville. And if anybody's driven that particular route, it's about 320 k's, and we did it in two and a half days. Um, there's a massive range in there called the Cardwell Range, so much so that the big trucks, the big long rigs, they they queue up and wait their turn to almost have a, have a run-up at this fucking enormous range. Um, so when you're running up it, and I must admit at the time, dressed in drag, you, uh, 
you you uh, realise the actual enormity of this particular range. So it was two and a half days, 320 kilometres in far north Queensland. In 2011, uh, as mentioned earlier, I was working at the Institute of Golf with uh, the golfing coaches and the physios there. And we ran from Auckland out on the North Shore and we ran to Parliament House in Wellington. We had Lisa Tamati, the ultra marathon legend from New Zealand, come and join us. It was absolutely phenomenal and same sort of thing, running in a relay formation. We had all selected or hand-selected various charities that we were running for, and of course, mine was uh, Alzheimer's dementia-related, and the other guys had other charities that were specific to them. Um, In 2011... We did a similar a similar act. I had recruited again a handful of different people. We trained together. Uh, this had turned out to be one of the most hilarious campaigns I'd ever been involved in, or philanthropic endeavors, you know, charitable events. Absolutely hilarious. Great group of people. We all trained together. This time we we chucked it in reverse. We were raising money for Ronald McDonald House in Auckland and we started in Wellington and basically ran the 2010 route in reverse and went along the coastal road to take in the sites. We all averaged about a marathon a day. This particular year we had I had uh, extended an invitation to a current New Zealand celebrity and his name was Edu Drent. He starred in a um, soap TV series that was on at the time, Shortland Street. And I had asked him through a, a mutual friend if he would be interested in running. And at the time, he was right into CrossFit, had a fantastic physique. And I think um, running ultramarathons and long distance was the furthest thing from his mind. But uh, he decided it seemed for a, uh, it seemed to be for a great cause. And as it turns out, he's an absolutely beautiful human being. Uh, he didn't get too far into the, the campaign, into the Many Miles for Mary campaign. He got... Uh, Potential, potential meningitis, so it was removed during the um, during the event. But one thing that does stand out uh, from that particular year, other than other than having a, a New Zealand celebrity with us, was um, I remember coming through the Desert Road, which is where a huge national park is near Wauru in the North Island, um, where the army. The army, New Zealand Army, one of their primary bases is there. They conduct a lot of their practices and drills and um, training in this area. And I remember it was uh, snowing, or had been snowing. I remember coming through this massive clearing and I saw the Winnie Bay go up on the hill and I remember thinking, it seems a little bit weird, like it's really quiet and there's no one around. And then I saw a couple of the boys looking at me as I came jogging and all I could hear was my footsteps and I'm thinking... Something weird's going on. And then all I, I have a good friend who's half Fijian and uh, half Kiwi, or half Fijian Indian and half Kiwi. And he come running out of the uh, bush, declaring the scrub uh, completely starkers with his with his John Thomas dangling around. And he's like, ay, 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 come running out onto the road. So when you've been running for days and days and days and one of your friends come and, comes and attacks you nude, with the old tackle waving in the air, it's uh, it's hard to avoid. Uh, but that's a that's an embrace, a hug I'll never forget. Um, it wasn't a cell phone I could feel on my thigh anyway. 
In 2012 was the first time I decided to go solo. I was currently working for New Zealand heavyweight champion and, and boxing mythical legend uh, Shane Cameron. And I ran New Zealand's South Island in 2012. And as it turns out, this was to be the most difficult ultra marathon that I have ever done. And not necessarily because of the distance, but just because of the rain and uh, the South Island weather just absolutely crippled me. But I ran from Bluff in the South Island. If you've been there before, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Great oysters, great scenery, uh, very small town. And we'll move on from there and ran to Picton, which is the top of the South Island. And like I said, I, some of the blisters were so big. I had a blister on my right foot that was no word of a lie. I had to look back at the photos on Facebook to make sure I wasn't exaggerating. It would have been the size of a small ball, like a lacrosse ball. Uh, it was huge. So much so I had to cut the side of my uh, shoe out so the blister could stick out the side. And as it turns out, the, the, the blister and the infection got so bad, I actually ran with that foot on the, the side of the road, on the grassy side of the road, and the left side, my left foot on, on the road, right foot on the uh, grass on the side, and took my shoe off and just ran in a sock. It was just horrific. Um, the rain, I cannot begin to tell you, and if you're from the South Island, you would obviously agree and concur that when Mother Nature decides to shower you with rain and wind, she doesn't fuck around. She just uh, opens up the floodgates and Mother Nature gets the final say. Uh, brutal. 2013, I was living in Kuwait, so I moved over to the Middle East, as mentioned earlier. And I decided to do, and mainly because of logistic reasons, I, I had always had this affinity to the United Kingdom. And because half of my family being from Scotland, I, I really, really wanted to go and um, see it uh, on foot. So I packed uh, a pack the best I could, which ended up weighing at 11 kilos. And I decided to run from the England-Scotland border, which is Gretna Green, and all the way to the top to John O'Groats. Now, this was in winter, uh, and again, a very, very testing, um, yeah, very testing event. It was just absolutely brutal. Uh, so I flew into Glasgow from Dubai, and then on to Gretna Green, um, landed in Glasgow, caught the train, arrived in Gretna Green around midnight, and um, set off the next morning with my backpack, was an interesting ordeal the I managed to get the backpack the weight down to about eight kilos but pretty much that was that was it for the rest of the journey so many stories to tell you about each of these years uh, I met one of the major owners and designers of Innovate in a little old restaurant in a castle in Edinburgh which was you know when you meet the guy that you're wearing his shoes and you've got an Innovate um, I can't remember what they're called like a, a scarf type thing, um, it's pretty damn cool. In 2014, I had a break from the running. I was I moved back to Cairns. I come up with this glorious idea. Like I used to love doing burpees when I was right in the the thick of the CrossFit scene. I went to the CrossFit regionals when normal people could go. Uh, not not so superhuman when normal people could go in 2010 as an individual and I loved burpees and and it was and was renowned for being good at them fast at them efficient and effective at them and um 
I thought, I wonder what the world record is for, for burpees. And I had a little look, and the current world record was not really what I would call a CrossFit-style burpee. So I thought, no, no, it doesn't really work for me. So I had a look at, uh, cross, uh, at uh, burpee broad jumps. And as it currently stood, the world record was about eight, eight kilometres of burpee broad jumps. And I can't remember the number exactly, uh, but it was something like about three and a half thousand or something like that. And the time was about 17 hours. And I thought, oh, that'll be awesome. Let's have a crack at that. Let's set a world record. So I rustled up a couple of friends and we decided to create this event called the Burpee 10,000. As it turns out, we uh, we organised the event for late January. It was summer in Cairns again, and of course my logistical brain is about one millimetre away from a chimpanzee. So we did it along the Cairns Esplanade. We completed 4,267 burpees in 22 and a half hours for a total distance of 8.5 kilometres. Now, if you've ever done a burpee broad jump, just marinate on that for a second so you can get a little idea of what that was like. Again, I won't go into the finer details, but a good friend of mine, uh, Benny, he got rhabdomyolysis from the event. If you don't know what rhabdomyolysis is, give that a little Google. We nearly killed our friend. Uh, thankfully, he nothing serious happened to him other than a couple of days in hospital and uh, his wife does talk to me to this day, which is great. But it was a, an absolutely incredible event. We raised some money for the Black Dog Institute here in Australia. Uh, 2015, I ran around the circumference of Tasmania solo. Now, this was to be the largest. It seemed as every given year I would increase the distance. Uh, and this was certainly no different than any other year. So 2015, I ran about 1,200 kilometres, if I remember correctly. Might have been a little bit more uh, with a fantastic support crew, which tagged in and out. And that was for the Ronald McDonald House of Tasmania. Uh, so right around the outside, what a spectacular country. In 2016, uh, in association and support of the Just Be Nice project in Melbourne, I ran this ran from Melbourne, uh, some Victoria, I think, uh, Victoria Park Lakes? No, uh, Albert Lakes. I can't remember, right in the centre. And ran to my gym on the Sunshine Coast, Jamie Milne Training. So this was 2,000 kilometres at two marathons a day for 18 days. So that is two marathons a day for 18 days. That was absolutely incredible. And at the end, I remember feeling like Forrest Gump. There was one stage we were coming into the Sunshine Coast. I grabbed my phone and I thought, oh, I must have been a bit deluded. I thought, I'll lift my phone up. I'll take a little selfie with um, this small group of people with me. And as it turns out, when I lift the phone up, people had been, basically, it had become this cumulative total of this mass of runners. When I lifted my phone up and looked up, all I seen was my little head, and that looked like 100-odd people behind me running, and I thought, I've, I've actually become a little caramel forest gump. Like it was just amazing, and so that was an uh, yeah an incredible event. Raised over twenty two thousand dollars for Alzheimer's Association of Australia or Alzheimer's Australia. 
2017. I took on the, the Western state of Australia. So same thing again, running solo, 80Ks a day with just an incredible support crew. Now, there's a reason why I don't mention a lot of names in this particular podcast because there's so many people that were involved over the years with the Many Miles for Mary campaign. And to single out just one person uh, would almost be an injustice. And to single out everybody that supported me, that would be a seven and a half hour podcast. But just know without a shadow of doubt, none of this is achievable without the help of quality, um, beautiful, generous, selfless people. Uh, And this year was the same. Went through WA with a fantastic support crew. And 2018 was to be the 10th year of the Many Miles for Mary campaign. And again, we this had ditched the solo idea, rallied an amazing group of friends. And this particular year was to be a little bit gentler, was to be more of a jolly and a way to see out a decade of philanthropic endeavours. Gathered this group of friends, we decided to do a relay formation through the whole of the United Kingdom. So we stand, started at Land's End, Cornwall, England, and went all the way to John O'Groats in a relay formation. We did half a marathon a day each for 12 days, if I remember correctly. Um, and again, in association with dementia-related charities, Alzheimer's Australia, and raising over $10,000. Just a fantastic event. And as mentioned earlier in 2019, I took on the Guinness World Record for the most amount of strict pull-ups in 24 hours um, with, a, with a total of 2,700 and something pull-ups, <laughs> something. I can't remember because it was like a horrific fucking trauma. That was my Mount Everest. That was my physical Mount Everest. And I made the mistake of not giving it enough credit or respect and also the people that had come before me attempting this record. Like this one is really, really difficult. You know, 60, 70% of human beings struggle with one pull-up, let alone thousands. The current world record was 7,620 and I thought I would get 8,000 and as you can see or as you've heard I failed miserably. So I I completed 50% of the world record which was to, to, to have an attempt in 24 hours so I stayed there for the 24 hours. I didn't want to but uh, a few friends gave me a friendly nudge and guided me in the right direction and said, look, at least get part of the, the, a token a token world record. Um, and I did that at the Sunshine Coast Plaza, which was the main shopping mall on the Sunshine Coast. So I was like a monkey in a cage. I couldn't leave the, the pull-up rig or not very far away from it anyway. Uh, I'm yet to attempt that again. As mentioned earlier, December 16th, 2019, coming for it again. And... The documentary, Why Do a Spirit Required Me, this is in the same year, January this year, 2019, I went to Hawaii, to Honolulu, and took part in what was to be the unofficial most difficult trail ultramarathon in the world, uh, 100 miles, 160 k's through Oahu, through the rainforest, and it lived up to every every aspect of its name. The Hurt 100 was absolutely brutal, so that was 32 hours Got it done, uh, managed to be fortunate enough to take part in a one-hour, 12-minute documentary, which is online, Wairua Spirit, and that was uh, the first brick uh, or first 
component of this 10-year artifact. Now, if you've hung in there this long, you're probably seeing a common thread, a common theme. Um, And I've told and shared you all of this, not for egotistical purposes and certainly not to impress you, however, to impress upon you that if someone like me just a normal guy, you know, a young kid from Rotorua, New Zealand, can turn his life around. You know, a man that lives with alcoholism. I live daily with bipolar disorder. I actually quite like it, (laughs) to be fair. I love it when the pendulum swings in one direction and I'm manic and full of energy. I get tons of stuff done. Uh, But when it swings the other way and the dark clouds come in and I have to manage my life, in a darkened and saddened state. I don't really like that too much, as I'm sure nobody would. But if if somebody like me, someone like me, can turn my life around and complete some of the things that I've done, then you, you can too. Like no matter where you are at the moment, whether you're struggling with a marriage, whether you're struggling with relationships, whether you want to start a new business, whether you want to lose... Two kilos, five kilos, 20 kilos, 100 kilos. Please let my short podcast, my message, my why be a driving force, be a surge of energy, be an insight into the world of just an average normal guy with all the complications that life throws at you, with all the genetic dispositions and things that you are born with, you know, with the story that I carry around with me. You know, the woe is me, the poor me. Like, you can change that. You can change your mindset. You can change your perception. You can change your story. And you can change all of that right now. Don't be afraid. Because fear, fear, you can either conquer your fear or whatever is holding you back. Or you can let it conquer and devour you. So if today you get nothing bar a little bit of drive, a little bit of inspiration, maybe a little bit of motivation for knowing a little bit about me and why I do what I do and why I have created the company and created the community, which is Jamie Milne Training and the Stag Pack community, then my God, this podcast has done a great job because what's very interesting about the culture that we have at Jamie Milne Training is very, very similar People are are driven and inspired to share their journey for no other reason other than helping another human being. The level of nurturing, support, community, um, love is abundant. It is unbelievable. So I thank you. I'm truly grateful if you've listened this long, you've gone through both Uh, parts of this podcast. I thank you. I'm truly grateful. And I hope that this has helped in some shape or form. If you want some more information about the gym, about myself, about any of my services, or if you have a question about anything that was mentioned earlier in these podcasts, then please reach out. Again, thank you and have the most amazing day. And hopefully this has brought some motivation to your life. Thank you. The Pure Jamie Milne Podcast. Podcast.